This episode is brought to you by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. And by Pollen. Access your app store revenues faster and fund user acquisition straight away. To sign up, go to pollen.vc. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 227. We're recording this live Friday afternoon. That's March 27th, 2015. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untethered.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, home of you Ottawa Senators who are currently in the playoffs. Asif! I can't believe they're in the playoffs Welcome, at the moment. Um, that's crazy. Anyhow, yes, this is Asif Khan of the Location-Based Marketing Association uh, in Toronto. It is cold. Uh, it was warm yesterday, but it's cold today. And, uh, yeah. What nice else can guy. you say? What else can you say? The Leafs are out. We, they've been out for a long time. The Jays are playing well, so I'm looking forward to you know the spring training uh, being over and the real season beginning. Nine days, my friend. Nine days yes. until baseball. That's a week this Sunday. So by the time you're watching this, it will be eight days. In Crazy. fact, the Yankees open up against the Blue Jays on the Monday, the first Monday of the baseball Indeed. Season. Cannot wait. You know where I stand on that battle. You know. I know I where you are. Yeah. Right square in the middle of Yankee territory. Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. Sorry. It's okay. I am. Uh, I am going to Montreal on April second to go and watch the Cincinnati Reds play the Toronto Blue Jays at the Big O because uh, Will Cordero and um, a couple of other of the uh, old Montreal Expos are going to be there to sign uh, to sign autographs, and uh, it's going to be one of these great things. They're playing two games in Montreal as this movement to bring baseball back to Montreal is in full force. So I figure it'll be there maybe 10, 15, 20 years. There you go. you got to support. Yeah. You definitely do, even if it's the Blue Jays. No, but you know, hey, I, 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 my, even I cheer for the Expos to come back. So there you go. It would be the greatest thing ever. It would be, it'd be awesome. Oh, so. my God. You can make me cry. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what an Expo is, think about the Washington Nationals. But the reverse, uh, you, you know, a, a, a bad Washington Nationals team, uh, that, that was the old Montreal Expos. They moved to Washington. Except for the one year when they should have won in, in the shortened season. 1994, the end of baseball for me. 1994. Yes. In yeah. fact, you know, Pete Rose gathered his four thousandth career hit as a member of the montreal expos he was a player manager if you can believe it back when they did that a player manager anyway crazy that has nothing to do with what we were talking about here today this is obviously our weekly show where we talk about the top stories in the location-based the contextual-based marketing world but before we do that we have 10 of those stories we have a big a big theme a big concept a good conversation and a great guest which is uh, taken right out of uh, the playbook from Retail Loco. This is Alan Wiseman, the VP of Product for Target. Uh, this is a, a conversation that Asif had with him on stage at Retail Loco. That's our special uh, resource and our special guest of the day. But before we do that, Asif, what the heck has been going on in the world of the Location-Based Marketing Association? Well, it's been busy. It's it's like we're in the, we're in the sort of middle of... What a of, shock. Of the crazy time, yeah. um, but I was out in LA this week. I went out to uh, uh, moderate this this panel at uh, a breakfast yesterday uh, for a group called Think LA. And man, is this group something! Um, this was at the Beverly uh, Hilton Hotel, the same hotel where they hold the Golden Globes. We were in that room where this where this event happened. There was like something like eight hundred people came out for this event, and we had this fantastic panel with Exad, with Think Near, with uh, David Shim from Placed. Um, and uh, and factual, and uh, we talked about location data. We talked about beacons, uh, and and just great response from that. So I was I was yeah, really happy to be be part of that, um, and uh, you know, and then got back here late last night. And uh, next week, I'm not going to this, but also in LA next week, also in Beverly Hills, uh, the Mobile um, uh, Media Summit is happening. Uh, the LA version of that that is uh, April the seventh. Um, well, I guess actually that's a little bit more than a week, right? So. Uh, but anyways, April the 7th, um, uh, Mobile Media Summit LA is happening. Um, I will be next week, uh, in, uh, and I'm really looking forward to this, on Monday, I'm going to be two hours outside of St. Louis uh, at the University of Missouri, the School of Journalism over there, uh, is hosting a, a two-day um, 
uh, event uh, that basically is looking at reinventing journalism. Uh, so CNN and Gannett and you know all these guys are going to be out there. Um, and uh, that and University of Missouri that that school is like one of the top journalism schools on the planet. Um, so uh, it, should, it should be an interesting time. Um, I would looking forward to be there. Looking forward to participating in that and just seeing how people think about where they think uh, you know the news and and journalism is going to go. And how technology is going to play a role in that. So that will be uh, fascinating for me because it's, uh, you know, a departure from sort of the day-to-day stuff of advertising and, and retail and uh, the stuff that we talk about all the time. So yeah, should you be know, fun. That would be fascinating because there are a lot of smart people in these organizations. That's what I learned at Post Media is that there are a lot of smart people. And quite often those smart people get so frustrated because the leadership is full of gray hairs and that's how they did it beforehand and that's how they are going to do it. So the smart people get suppressed and pushed down and destroyed and distraught well, and then leave and then go and work at uh, you know, small podcasts and small uh, blogs and, uh, and try to you know, uh, flex their, their uh, editorial muscle there. Mm. But like, there are some smart people and it would be very interesting to see what they think of the future of, these, uh, of, the, of media is because, man... It is in turmoil at this moment. Turmoil. But then I say that, and then GigaOM goes out of business, right? Yeah. And that is just shocking to me. I'm still still not loving that. I, 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 what a painful, a painful, painful reminder of how fickle it's, yeah, it can it's, be. It's, it's so how the industry is, right? I mean. God. Yeah, but and yet post-media is still alive, which is a shocking thing to me, right? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's Anyhow, a story. That's so a cool. That's, that's, you've got to re- so hey, meerkat that son of a bitch. Uh, it should be should be a fun week. Um, I see if you've got to uh, you've got a periscope or meerkat that thing. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll, we'll see. It, it, you know, I, I'm all, I'm all for that now, yeah. as long as you know I'm not putting anybody out or you know creating a problem by sticking my phone up there trying to you know <laughs> capture what's going on. So depending on the setting, and I have a feeling that this is not going to be the setting for that. Probably not. That's why you uh, do it. But uh, you know, hey, I, you know, if I can do it, I will do it. So. But you want to say basically, like, you know, like you want to change uh, media, you want to change the way that we consume media or we watch media or you guys report on stuff, dude. Here it is. It's called Periscope. Yeah. It's called Meerkat, and it's really not. But uh, you know, that's what everybody's calling it. It's the new face of media, and, mm. uh, and of course, everybody's today the first. We're the first ever radio or television station to uh, to broadcast live. Uh, from Meerkat or broadcast live from Periscope uh, to do the weather from a helicopter. I'm like, way to go, dude. That's amazing. But, you know, you have these cameras in there already that are broadcasting on television live. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're in that weird world right yeah. now. But anyway, that's, I, I, that's fascinating. Man, I was, can I buy a ticket to that? <laughs> What's that? Can I buy a ticket to that? I don't know, they actually. Should, they should sell tickets to that because that would be yeah. worthwhile going to. Anyway. So yeah, what else is go- that's it for you then? Just- that, that's that's what I mean, and, and I'm I'm in Nashville for a couple of days, hanging out with the Mapco team and seeing what they're doing as well. So, um, but uh, yeah, so I'm uh, yeah, you know, first part of the week I'm out of town, then back in Toronto, hanging out, and I'm actually in Toronto for like a little bit after that, so it'll be good. So we got ten shows, we got a limited amount of time, and uh, these these the, or ten stories. These these stories are absolutely amazing, and what you'll find very quickly is that I will speak very little and play many videos. So it will be a short show. How's that, Asif? That's that, yeah, that works. Shall we get things rolling, my friend? Indeed. I, I think I start this week. Right? Yes, you have the honors to lead off this show. Not so fast. Before we get to those stories, we need to get paid. So here is a message from our sponsor. One of our sponsors here is ThinkNear. They figured out that the more accurate an ad is, the more effective it becomes. Then they built a company that does just that. One of their clients is Jeep, that iconic Chrysler brand of SUVs. They hope to prove that targeted ads made a difference on dealer visits. I talked to Brett Cohn, VP Marketing for ThinkNear, about the results. Yeah, is we set up two test groups for Jeep. A test group with unfiltered location data, meaning it's coming straight from the publishers and not being scored at all. And we had a score test group where we put it through the location score platform and filtered out only down to the most accurate data. Here is the difference between the scored and the unscored inventory. It is staggering. 94% of the impressions were delivered in the target area. For the unscored data, only around 29% were delivered in the target market. So it just shows you how impactful that location accuracy can be in terms of reaching your audience. We saw a cost per dealer visit that was 35% lower when we used good data. It, it really drives on the point that if you've got accurate data, 
you're going to deliver a more engaging and relevant ad to the user base and they're going to react to it better. They're going to visit dealer lots more frequently. They're going to engage with your brand. And if you're not using accurate data, it can actually have a negative brand experience in that people are not getting relevant ads. And not only does your campaign performance suffer, but it can actually have a negative brand impact. Think near the reason you bought that Jeep. And now, back to the show. Shall we get things rolling, my friend? Indeed. I, I think I start this week. Right? Yes, you have the honors to lead off this show. Yeah. All right. So, uh, our first story is uh, about a company called Medea Vodka. And that is M-E-D-E-A. Uh, this is a Dutch company, actually. Uh, you know, Rob is very familiar with the Dutch. Uh, and they uh, they have a unique uh, aspect to their vodka bottle, which is the the bottle itself has these LED strips on the outside of the bottle. They've had these strips since 2010, but now what they've announced is a mobile app that uh, using beacons uh, connected to this, um, you can basically program or send messages uh, that that appear on this LED strip on this bottle. Uh, it's something that they're uh, they're promoting at the nightclub and bar convention and trade show in Las Vegas later this month, um, and uh, the bottles will be made available in June, uh, so not too far out. Uh, but kind of interesting, a Bluetooth LED uh, bottle uh, where you can send messages to it. You know, the challenge I have with this is I think it's cool. Uh, you know, I think there's there's some novelty to it, but you know. Uh, after you send the first message, like you know, you know, how often are you going to send messages to this thing? Um, you know, and it comes preloaded with six phrases: "Happy birthday," "Congratulations," "Thank you." So yeah, I get those. I mean, that's kind of interesting. You know, hey, you know, here here's a bottle of you know vodka for your birthday, and it says "Happy birthday" on it, and it's an LED, and it scrolls, and okay, uh, and then what? You know, when I'm done drinking the vodka, do I keep the bottle, and where do I put it, and why why do I want to send another message to it? So. I'm a little bit challenged by that, um, but you know the initial use case is is, is cool. Uh, you know the one thing that I know about vodka is that uh, I did not know that the Dutch made vodka, and the second thing is that I have never met a bottle that a vodka that lasted very long. Um, so you're right. Now, if they did, for example, uh, for my kids, right? So for my liquor cabinet, and uh, as soon as they moved towards the liquor cabinet to reach for that bottle of vodka, it said stop. That is a message that has to be there. And then the second thing is, uh, I think that if you, you were able to take off the label and use it as a belt buckle, boom. Mm. There are two uses right there. Yeah, and, and then there's like a whole sharing piece to this. So you can invite friends to uh, connect to it and you can share the messages on Facebook. And I mean, like, I, it's I, it much. seems it's like a much. lot. It's it seems much. like it's just too much. For this, and, and then I guess the other question I have is, is I mean, a lot of people I know, I, I'm not a vodka drinker, but a lot of people I know who drink vodka keep their vodka in the in the freezer, right, or the refrigerator? So, like, does that affect the performance of this this LED tag at all? I I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just asking questions. Uh, right? this, yeah, it, it, I mean, I think if I walked past it, I know there's there's no use for this. Can we just be honest here? There's absolutely no use for yeah. this. There's 100 percent zero use for this. I, I, and and there's no there's no argument here. You can't find a good use. Can't even market properly because you have to somehow connect to the bottle to be able to actually instigate this thing. So, um, and I loved it. There was one marketing um, uh, article that I that I I went to. Maybe it was you know e-commerce or marketing world or whatever it was that said, you know you could send like a will you marry me thing. Like nothing says I love you like throwing a bottle of a vodka <laughs> at your at your girlfriend with with a like will you wow. marry me coming over LED lights that are programmed from your phone. Mm. And there you, maybe go. you shouldn't allow those two things uh, to happen. Like, you know, maybe there should be a metric on the bottle that says if you've had more than half of the bottle in one sitting, no, you cannot put Will You Marry Me on, on the bottle itself. We could have a lot of fun with this, Asif. Yeah. All right. Medea Vodka. Wow. Dutch. <laughs> okay. Anyways, All right. on, on to the next story. All right. Our uh, second story involves Audi and something they're calling the disappearing billboard. Now, I, I really like this. Here's a video. You can watch this whole thing because it, it explains it better than I can. And uh, for those of you who are not watching, shame on you. But do a search for the disappearing billboard for Audi and you'll be able to find it wherever you, uh, whatever browser you browse in or search engine you search in. But here is the disappearing billboard. And I'll tell you why I like it right after this. 
The Audi A7 Sportback H-Tron is a new fuel cell-based plug-in hybrid. The special thing, it leaves nothing behind but vaporized water. We asked ourselves, where do you place ads for the most environmentally friendly and progressive engine Audi has ever built? Nowhere. So for the car that leaves nothing behind but vaporized water, we created ads that leave nothing behind but vaporized water. The Disappearing Billboards We placed them during nighttime in busy areas of big cities, where they left nothing behind but steam and a lasting impression. So there you see it. It's a uh, plume of steam that uh, is being basically projected on uh, and uh, it disappears when the steam disappears. Pretty unique, pretty interesting. The reason I really like it, not because it's so high technology, it's, it's not. It's pretty simple. But I love the ephemeral uh, feel to it. It ties into so much of what we're seeing right now with things like Meerkat and Snapchat and all the digital marketing. This is very much, an, you know, you have to be there. And if you're not there, it doesn't, you, you, I mean, it's gone, right? So I love the... Um, the ephemeral feeling to this and, and uh, the limited time that it's uh, that th you can see the car and yeah. uh, it's captivating. So that's yeah, very I completely cool. agree with that. And I think also, I mean, the message that they were trying to get across, uh, Audi was trying to get across here is, is this is around promoting the A7 uh, vehicle. And uh, the idea that they were going for here is, is the, the car exhaust yes. on, the, on the actual vehicle is solely water vapor. So in other words, what they're saying is, is that like the disappearing billboard, this car leaves zero environmental so well impact. Um, you know, uh, because it's pure water vapor that's coming out of the car, as is it's pure water vapor that's creating the steam for these billboards that disappear. So, uh, I, I love that. I love that they went, you know, and try to, you know, show, you know, one of the key benefits of this vehicle. Uh, in in actually making the advertising sort of reflect that, so it's very simple, cool. Eh? Like, yeah, like you got to think that simple. Like you don't have to be all like, you don't don't have to put like um, messages on a bottle and LED lights and Bluetooth and beacons yeah. and messaging. No. You just steam and steam. steam. <laughs> it's it's there. You get it. You don't have to get all complicated. Yeah. I like that story. I like that story a lot. Some people say it's too simple, but I, simplicity is what makes it so appealing. So many levels to it. All right, Asif, hit it up. Third story. All right, our third story. This is about a project, a very, very interesting project. I think both Rob and I like this. Uh, about a company called H Office. Just the letter H Office. It's all one word. This is being described as a social site for work at home employees and uh, solopreneurs. Um, so the challenge is, is both Rob and I often work from home. When I'm in Toronto, I'm, I, I very rarely go down to my office. I, I'm sitting right where you see me right now working as, as Rob is and um, you know the, one of the big challenges with that is is that you, you know you lose you lose some stuff right from being in a, in a sort of normal office setting in that you don't have a, the, the social interaction with other people you know you, you're working you know on your own and, and also uh, in in our cases you know where we've got kids and whatever stuff running around you know you can get interrupted um, and uh, you know and, and you also like you're not you have that sense of you're not really leaving your house right like you're you know, you're not going to the office like you're. You know, you're going down to your basement or you're going somewhere else. Um, uh, but it, you're still you're still on the same property. And so, H Office tries to solve that. And so, what they do is is they identify people nearby you um, through through a, through a web service that you know may have uh, space in their house uh, that's set up for you know a co-working type of environment. Uh, and you can go and you can find a place uh, you know to go work that's in your neighborhood, um, maybe on your street even. And you can you can go and hang out there and work uh, with uh, with other people, um, and so it kind of solves that that problem. And it's really really cool. It, it's a it's kind of a neat service. And and they actually suggest that you book these these co working slots, um, like sort of in an hour increment, where forty five minutes is dedicated to work, and then fifteen minutes is dedicated to socializing uh, with the other people that are there. Um, so it's kind of neat. So you know you can open up your homes uh, to co working with other people. Um, and uh, they currently have this service running in, let me see here, Japan, China, India, Brazil, Singapore, Australia, um, and east coast of the U.S. and throughout Europe. So a lot of places. So check it out, H Office. I love that idea. It is lonely being a solo entrepreneur that is working in your basement. But 
At least it's not my mother's basement. Right? There you go. There you go. It's your own basement. It's my own basement. Yeah. That's right. I work in my own basement. Not my mother's basement. My own basement. I'm 44, damn it. I work in my own basement. It's sad. All right, our next story uh, is a company called is about a company called Revmetrics. Now, if you go to r e v m e t r i x dot com, this is a platform. It's an interesting platform because we often we talk about this quite a bit around the complexity of what it is uh, around digital marketing, mobile marketing, location based marketing, uh, with all of the different technologies that get wrapped around this very thing. It's a difficult difficult challenge for many retailers mortal retailers whose business is not to bring all of this data together. Their business is actually to sell to their customers that walk in the store or that jump on their website. So here's a platform uh, called Revmetrics that literally brings all of those, uh, I, I don't even know, uh, data points, tons of these data points. And it, it can be from your website. It can be from your mobile website. It can be from reviews on third-party websites like Yelp, for example, or on Google Maps or anywhere you are. Uh, it brings in data from your e-commerce and your social and your email and your point of sale system, your beacons, your Wi-Fi, everything that comes in your loyalty place, search metrics, search data. Uh, and then it also it brings in things like uh, customer care, uh, um, you know, direct mailing data, third-party data that is, is provided by, uh, you know, to you for a specific reason. And, and also display advertising. And you think about all these jumbles as you're seeing this picture. You see these jumbles of all this content that is out there. And what do you make of it? You know, most people just take that and they put it beside them and it just grows and it grows and they get stressed because you're not doing anything about it. And here it is. So what it basically this does, it consolidates all of that information into this kind of these great streams that enable you to help you, uh, you know, identify your unique customers. And then eventually, as you go through this process, it actually allows you to, it, you know, analyze this data, and it cleanses the data, standardizes the data so that you you understand what it is that, that this data is telling you. And then what that does is it frees you up to take action. And this is a pretty cool platform um, to be able to do this. And now, I've never used it. Now, what I would hope is that it actually does all these things. We've talked a lot about companies that do these this type of uh, service. But here's here's a perfect example of a company that's identified a huge problem. And they're one of a, of a number of them now. But mm -hmm. that actually allows you to uh, to see things in real time, to understand who your channel is and who your customer is by segmentation. And they display it in a custom uh, dashboard. So these are this is a, a service whose time has come. But the challenge is right now for most people that there are so many inputs and not enough of that data is being used effectively. Wouldn't you say, Asif? Yeah, I completely agree. And it's hard, It's hard, right? I mean, the challenge is, is that there, you know, you got all these inputs, you got all these desperate um, systems out there and you got your CRM and your loyalty and your, and what you're doing online and what you're doing in store with beacons. And, you know, how do you start to bring all that together? And, and absolutely, we need more platforms like this. I agree. Um, that uh, that help you sort of unite that data and actually get real insights that you can act on, um, you know, uh, from it. So uh, you know, I, I love anything like this that you know is kind of focused on kind of data consolidation and and, and trying to find uh, you know ways to leverage that data. So, but you know the cool. outcome. You know the outcome of these things are are very clear. Like we, we talked about attribution um, mm -hmm. because basically they're taking everything, every data point that you have across every piece of. Of technology that that accumulates that data, so you're getting web data, you're getting mobile data, you're getting whatever kind of data, out of home data and third party data. So attribution becomes core, and also, um, you know, we talk often about uh, what Urban Airship did, boom, um, with uh, beacons and uh, the um, U.S. Open, right, uh, around highly targeted, highly attributable. Um, uh, campaign there to be able to send people who were interested in, in getting tickets, tickets, but only those people that are within a proximity of of, uh, of 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 New York, of Flushing Meadows. So you get hyper-targeted campaigns as well. And this, it's just, it just, if they can do this, man, I am so sold on this because it's so complicated for many people. Yeah. So the two guys behind this, Christopher Brown and, and Naman Gadia, um, you know, have a have a tracker here around this. So both of them have had previously built companies. Uh, Mr. Brown built a company called Tap Metrics, uh, and Hemang uh, Gadia uh, uh, built a company con called uh, Condaptive. With both, and both those companies were bought by Millennial Media, which we've talked about on the show before. So uh, these these aren't uh, guys who are you know it's their first crack at the can. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and who knows, millennial may, may step up and didn't take this one too. If, if they know what's right for them, they would. This yeah. is so complicated though. Yeah. Right? So well, There you go. Anyways. Yes. Well, that's good. So Revmetrics, go to revmetrics.com. That's R-E-V-M-E-T-R-I-X.com. Cool. 
Uh, our fifth story, uh, our good friends at American Express uh, have launched a pretty large uh, initiative here. It's called Plenty, P-L-E-N-T-I. Uh, and this is an attempt, uh, there's been attempts in the past, but this is an attempt that I think has some legs to it to create a national, this is a U.S. Uh, national coalition loyalty platform. So in Canada, uh, you know, where Rob and I live, you know, loyalty is like, you know, one of, one of the things that we care about a lot in this country, right? So we've got pretty massive loyalty programs in, in the Air Miles program, in uh, Shoppers Drug Marts program. You know, Canadians love loyalty programs, as do people in the UK. But in the US, it's hard because you have so many competing platforms, so many uh, retailers and brands, you know, caring about different things. Uh, and there's not really a national, you know, sort of, you know, one program that covers, uh, you know, enough uh, to, to get coverage across there. So here comes Amex pl uh, Plenty. And the initial uh, list of, of people participating in this is pretty impressive. AT&T, ExxonMobil, Macy's, Nationwide, Rite Aid, Direct Energy, and Hulu. Um, and it doesn't matter what payment platform you use. They don't care if it's Amex or not. But the, the program is, is administered by, by Amex based on uh, something called Payback, which is a coalition service they've been running in other markets like Germany and Italy for many years. Um, and so they've got the platform to do this. They're rolling this out nationally across the U.S. They've got big, big brands on board with it. Uh, and I think they have a shot at this. This is, this is interesting. And this is a big space at the moment because as we move further down the, you know, the beacon uh, infrastructure and all the location-based stuff, one of the things I talk about a lot is it's easy to get offers pushed to a mobile device, but it's hard, you know, to 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 redeem those things. And one of the strategies around re redemption is to is to connect the mobile platform, the offer platform, to some sort of credit card or loyalty card initiative. So you know, you simply swipe that card or pay with that card, and then the discounts show up, you know, on on your on your uh, on your bill or your statement later on. You don't have to scan your phone or do anything with the mobile device. And so I think there's an opportunity to play here, you know, in that in that kind of framework, especially when you have all these big these big brands uh, on board as partners. So this is an interesting one, um, and I think one that we'll we'll hear more about uh, later this year. And I think it's got a it's got a shot. You know, that's it's fascinating because uh, you know we we in Canada we have Air Miles and, and we have something like this, right? These these yeah. these. Uh, and um, it works here, and it, and it works very well um, because basically you're collecting loyalty points uh, in one spot, as you said, and, and I'm getting it at my ESO station, and I'm getting it at you know whatever restaurant I'm at. It's everywhere. It's at the grocery mm -hmm. stores. It's everywhere. Not every grocery store. It's just Metro in, in Canada that's doing that, as far as I know. Um, but uh, but one of the one of the things that in in an episode of uh, the, uh, the Mobile Commerce Minute I do with Chuck Martin is that um, one of the one of the things that that consumers are dying for is the ability, and this is what nobody's doing, is the ability to apply discounts and coupons and all of those kind of things, the loyalty play automatically, as you just said, yeah. automatically to the transaction. So I don't have to present anything. I don't have to do anything. It's tied to the credit card. It's tied to my payment system where the discount or my points and my loyalty points have actually been accumulated automatically. And it, people are actually asking for that, right? Like 53% yes. of this group, this is from a huge huge Accenture study, 53% of the people that, that are, are um, were asked said, yeah, look, that is exactly what I want. I don't want to think about my loyalty. I want it to be applied automatically. So this is the beginning, I'd hope for that. So plenty. Yeah. By, by no, Amex. absolutely. Yeah. So there you go. Amex plenty. P L E N T I. Plenty, plenty, plenty. So uh, onto our seventh, our sixth story. And, and here, here's a great story. I like, I like chocolate, just like everybody else. I do too. Yeah, I like chocolate. I like New York. I like New York and chocolate. This is like the perfect vacation for my wife. Would be just absolutely <laughs> just going to New York and eating chocolate. That, that would be it. She wouldn't need anything more. So this is actually a, uh, a student. Uh, Pratt Institute student named Nell Sparkman. Now you can go to, I believe it is called, just go to Nell Spark, N-E-L Spark, exactly what it is, Nell Spark, N-E-L-S-P-A-R-K.com. It's called Five Burrows Chocolate, uh, and it's, it's basically packaging high-quality chocolate with maps of the borough that you're in. So the five boroughs are, of course, Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx, and Staten Island. So if you are in one of those uh, boroughs and you buy chocolate from uh, five boroughs, you will actually get a different map depending on what borough you are in. And it's wrapped and it's folded beautifully into, seeing some pictures here, it's folded beautifully around the chocolate. And uh, Sparkman, this is on psfk.com, uh, this quote, it comes 
from Sparkman. He describes the packages, packaging as the map is a two-color screen print that is a rough and off-register that is then accordion-folded and wrapped around the chocolate bar. The map and bar are then held together by a side of band that provides all the necessary information from name, flavor, ingredients, etc. So it's pretty amazing. And each chocolate is a flavor for the burrow. So depending on what borough you're in, you're going to get a different flavor of chocolate that that encompasses or, or the character of the borough. It's mm. absolutely amazing. Uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful use of maps. Um, it's better than newspaper, right? Uh, yeah. So it, it, it's it's beautiful the way that they've done this. It's uh, highly local. Absolutely highly local. Love it. You know, I, we, I was talking at the, at, the, at the opening here about, you know, reinventing journalism and print. I mean, this is the kind of thing that guys need to be talking about. Wrapping chocolate? Doing something, taking their content and putting it out there, like in in a different format, right? Well, I agree. Like, I mean, you cover it in in your presentations. The um, the daily news that gets dispensed on uh, that gets uh, pr printed on on paper towel dispensers. Mm -hmm. We covered it here as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, th th those that kind of innovation really is 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 perfect. Um, but I think there was a comment that somebody said, you know, maybe why don't they do toilet paper so you can really wipe your ass with today's news? <laughs> exactly. Because today, because people went crazy this week in the world. There are crazy people that went. There are crazy, crazy people, people in this world. It's very, very, very alarming yeah. the amount of crazy that is going on in this world right now. So I'd like to wipe my ass with with the news. Where do we? How do we get from chocolate to? That? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, Carry on, Asif. Your turn. Our seventh story uh, over to the UK to London and our good friends, uh, very good friends. I love this at Oreo. I love this, Asif. So you might know that just recently there was a solar eclipse uh, that was happening. And Oreo decided to uh, create a campaign that played off of this. And so uh, you, Rob's probably playing the video right now as I'm talking. But basically um, uh, what they did was is they, they created a digital out-of-home display that was exactly timed to the solar eclipse. So as the, you know, the moon and the sun were coming into that alignment, the, you know, the white uh, cream and the, and the dark uh, you know, cookie part of the Oreo were you know, uh, basically matching uh, in, in synchronous. To uh, to the eclipse that was happening on this screen uh, at the actual time that uh, that the eclipse was happening, and then what I really love about this is so that was the digital out of home piece. This was a full on all media you know integrated thing. So there was print uh, aspects to this, and they had the front page of the Sun newspaper uh, engaged in this. So it was out of home. It was print. Uh, I mean, it, it was all coming together. Um, so this, this, I love when you know when people look at it that way. Uh, and not only that, they actually got all their agencies involved with this. So it was PhD uh, did the print piece with the newspaper. They're out of home. I don't know who their out of home agency was. They had the drum involved. They had F FCB uh, Inferno. I mean, they, so they they got everybody working together uh, to tie this uh, you know this thing uh, together and make it all work. So I love this. You know, the guys at Oreo are, are amazing. Uh, by the way, Oreos uh, uh, is one of the brands that's owned by Mondelez, which we've talked about a number of times uh, here. Formerly Kraft Foods, um, and uh, I heard the I heard news this week. I don't know if this is for real or not. Did you Did you hear yeah, this? I heard that, it. That, that, yeah. that, like Kraft is being bought by Heinz. Heinz. Yeah. For like billions of dollars, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Consolidation uh, at a big level. Yeah. So this, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's that's really really wild. But, huge. Yeah. Well, retail is suffering. But, yeah. um, you know, I get the sense from this. I freaking love this. And if you're not watching the video, if you're not watching this episode, go and search for this video because it is absolutely, I mean, we all know what happened with Oreo and, uh, and the Super Bowl when the lights went out in the Super Bowl. And I mean, that really sparked the revolution, the social media revolution. They mm. had basically war rooms at major events for social media, right? And, um, but they owned that moment, and they own it forever in infinity. Everybody else is just a follower these days, right? From that moment in Oreo. Yes, and, absolutely. And, but I get the sense that. But the fact is, is they continue to right. push, push forward around this. They don't just sit there and go, "Hey, we we own that moment," and and, and that's it. Like you know, they continue to do it. But I get so. the sense that they do it. Right, it's not their agencies; it's them. Like no, I think it's that them. they are like, the smart ones. Work, you know, like they're obviously a very active LBMA member, and, and when they came to us with the whole mobile futures program, asking you know to seek directly to get to the startups, you know, it's that kind of stuff that, that you know tells you that they don't wait for their agencies no. to bring it; they just you they know, they're it. looking for it, they're asking for it, you know, they want any way and in every way they can to get to it. So, I tip my hat to Oreo. This was freaking brilliant, brilliant. And if you haven't seen the video, search for it, please. There you go. All right, from Oreo to dogs.
The yes. world is going to dogs. This is a service called uh, it's Goo Dog, right? Is he? Is that what I it? think so. Goo Dog. G U Dog. I actually I think it's pronounced Good Dog. Oh yeah, I see that's smart. <laughs> I think it's Good Dog. <laughs> that's now that's genius. Good Dog. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like it. Good Dog. G U D O G. So if you go to G U D O G dot C O dot U K dot co dot U K, basically. I, I can summarize these guys up in one statement. They are elance for dog sitters and walkers. Um, and it's all highly, highly, highly localized. It's obviously in the UK where you can find a dog sitter. Don't stick your poor dog, poor Poochie in the kennel. No, don't do that. That is inhumane. Find somebody who, uh, based on this, uh, there are lots of people who are qualified that will take your dog for you. They will house it. They will come to your home. They'll walk the dog. They'll love it. They'll smooch it. They'll spend 24 hours a day with it. And all you have to do is go to gooddog.co.uk. You'll be able to find exactly the walker that is around the corner from you and the one that you want. And it's literally like Elance for dog walkers. I cannot describe it any better than that, but it's this big trend that we're talking about here. Um, even around H office, around this resurgence of uh, highly local, highly specialized, highly localized services. Uh, this is round two of those, and that's going to be the big co topic of conversation. But if you are in the UK and you have Poochie and you want to get on a plane and leave Poochie, don't stick them in a kennel. Stick yeah. them with Good Dog. Yeah, it's also available in Germany, France, and Spain. I think it's actually a Spanish startup, although the the company's based in uh, or, or the site's based out of the UK. Yeah, well, it's it's amazing, right? So they have like twenty three dog walkers, twenty six in London, twenty three in Bristol, in Liverpool, in Manchester, and I mean, this is this is absolutely uh, you know a necessary service. Um, and uh, you know, we had a dog. Uh, we had a dog for 10 years. Uh, but, uh, you know, fair warning to dogs, they do die. And mm -hmm. uh, they crush your heart. And then you decide you never want to do that again so you don't get another dog. But we had to, we, we used to stick them in a kennel because why? This service wasn't available in, in Canada. So gooddog.co.uk. And I'm still recovering from Georgie's death. It's been seven years. There you go. Brutal. Good dog. <laughs> Good dog. Good dog. Uh, anyway, Roof. all right. Our ninth story. Uh, so this is an interesting company. This is called Transit Screen. That's one word. Uh, and uh, this is a company that I met when I was uh, over speaking a couple weeks ago at Digital Signage Expo. Uh, and it kind of stuck out in my mind as, as a little bit different. So th these guys are a pretty small little startup company. Uh, and what they do is is they, they gather um, you know timetable information basically for mass transit. Uh, so they're, so they're, they're an aggregator of uh, train uh, and subway timetable information uh, ads related to that. So it's kind of like you know the elevator news that you see, but uh, screen specifically you know around transit information, uh, you know valuable stuff. Um, and so these guys uh, they raised some money recently, about six hundred thousand uh, dollars from some VCs and some folks in the transportation space. Uh, they're focusing on on taking this uh, beyond the U.S. into uh, Latin America and the Middle East. And here's a novelty, Rob, for a little startup. 40 paying customers already cash flow positive. Hey, people with a revenue model, Rob. Can you believe it? That's amazing. I don't have a revenue model. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's really, really interesting. So um, so their goal is, is uh, as stated by them, creating a worldwide standard for real-time transportation information accessible anywhere where someone's looking for it. Um, and uh, they're saying that this 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 will work on uh, on all platforms, uh, digital signage, desktop, mobile. Uh, so you'll be able to pull this information up, you know, on, on your desktop, on your phone, you know, when you're sitting sitting in a doctor's office, wherever. Um, so it's kind of cool. Um, so it's basically just a you know like a catch-all for anything to do with transit information and delivering it to a screen. Kind of cool. Very cool. You go to uh, transitscreen.com for more information. Transitscreen.com. Yeah. All right, we're so close. We're so close. Should I slow down? Speak no. A little slower no. for the 10th no. story? It's all about the fire hose. It is, really. And that's what comes out here. We don't know. We don't rehearse, right? Uh, I don't even research these stories. I don't even know what we're talking about here. Yeah. All right. I don't know if that's evident or not, but our 10th I'm sorry about that, Rob. Like, I mean, like, so if people don't know by now, like I, like, I go and pull all these stories together, and I send them to Rob, like, the night before. Yeah. And then he's got to go figure them out. And then and I, I cram. He does a phenomenal job. And then I cram. Oh. I make it up as I go. I yeah, just, I look at Asif's reaction, and you'll notice. I mean, here's here's the key. It's like when I don't know anything, I was like, "Right, Asif." And, yeah. And then uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Except so, last night, I sent these to you at like uh, I don't know. It was like midnight. It was close to midnight. Night, yeah. And uh, when I because I just gotten off the plane in like an hour before, and I was like bagged, and I, I like I think I had like two typos in the titles of these things that caused <laughs> you extra work. Like you had to go like, is it spelled like this? 
And then I noticed another one while we were talking live just now. So, um, nice. Uh, but anyhow, I, it's okay. You know what? Uh, we manage, though, Asif. This is we, we, we do. We do. We get through it. Well, and the stories are so great. And, and you know, typically I can find them pretty easily. But, um, you know, oftentimes I just make it up as I go. And that's pretty evident. Hence the 10th story. Shall we get into this one? Yeah. I had a, I had a friend of mine uh, a number of years ago. Uh, his name was Romy Randev, re- his real name. And, and he, uh, what struck me with this guy, he was a very young when I met him. And uh, I was a partner at a company called Animatics, which was a, a new media company designed for him in the, in the mid to late 90s. And that's how old I am, right? We're building websites back in the day. Um, and uh, he, he came to me with his great DVD. How's that for age, right? And, and the DVD was, he, uh, he's obviously of Indian descent. He went uh, back to Rajasthan and, and a bunch of places inside, in India and, and uh, recorded, um, recorded history. Basically, uh, you know, before, uh, you know, America and uh, Eastern and Western culture descends upon everywhere around the world, what he wanted to do was, was capture the, uh, the true Rajasthan feel, right? So musicians mm-hmm. and markets and those things before, you know, all of this hegemony happens where everything is all the same, right? And I think that that's the challenge that we're facing these days, especially with the globalization and everybody wanting to be like America. Um, whether you, you you like it or not, that's that's what's happening. So when I saw this app, I thought, boy, this was exactly what he was trying to do, which was to capture the uh, the history, the culture of uh, of, of this, of, of India, that's what he was trying to do. And, and here's an app called Pivot Augmented Reality. It's a Pivot AR app. And you can go to Kickstarter, but if you go to pivottheworld.com, you get a great sense of this. And, it's, and it is an, an, a, a mobile app that allows you to look at something like a, a statue or you know, like Harvard is the example in the video uh, and or, or um, you know any monument and, and or street and see what it looked like in different states and they do so much research to find out what this place looked like prior to today so they have the the you know they go into archives they pull up all the archival and material they upload all the photos and then they throw them uh, in this app and and where you're standing you can see the different stages or different eras of the place you're standing in and here's a video I'm not gonna play the whole thing I'm just gonna take a little clip from their Kickstarter campaign it is over by the time you're watching this they've they've achieved their $30,000 goal they're over that but here's a little bit about this inf- to get a little bit more information about Pivot H- Pivot AR app and if you uh, don't want to watch the video, just go to pivottheworld.com. But watch this for a second, would you? Ever wonder what a place looked like in the past? Pivot is a multi-platform mobile app that allows you to look at a place through a tunnel of time. An idea that, although born in Palestine, is scalable to any location in the world. Hi, my name is Esma Jabir. And my name is Sami Jatan. When my father was still alive, I felt very connected to our homeland of Palestine because he was able to tell me what was beneath our very feet. When I first returned to Palestine after he passed away, I still wanted that experience. So we are building Pivot. We will start in places like Manger Square in Bethlehem, Palestine, where Jesus was born. And in places all over the world, like Harvard Square, where... Facebook was born. Pivot aims to solve problems that are unique to specific locations. For example, over 400 Palestinian villages have been destroyed since 1947. On the other side of the world, in Boston, change over time has been most dramatic in the Back Bay area. Pivot's mission is to streamline digital historical preservation in places where histories and cultures are at risk of being lost. We want to promote historical learning where you least expect using augmented reality. I love I love these these types of things that grab archival information and display archival information based on context. Where I'm standing, I want to see what this looked like a year ago, ten years ago, a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago in certain instances, right? And I think that not a photo, but a, an artist rendition. So I think that those are the kind of things that that I love because it, it really keeps history, history and culture alive. Reminds us where we uh, where we came from. So very cool. Kudos to those. Very very cool. Yeah. So pivottheworld.com. That's it. Those are the top ten stories, Asif. Got any yeah. more? Send no. It? That's it. Pretty awesome. Wow. Okay. Well, those are the top ten stories. If obviously if yours wasn't in there, it's your darn fault. You know that Asif sends me this the night before. You have all the time in the world to be able to get us the story. And if we don't get it into this week, we'll get it into next week. And uh, we appreciate anybody who contributes a story or their story to our top ten. 
Before we get into our big conversation about localized and specialized services, uh, I want to uh, play a guest. Why don't you want to tee this up? You sat down with Alan Wiseman in front of a bunch of people at Retail Loco in Austin at South by Southwest. And uh, Alan is the VP of product at Target. Uh, this was this was a good conversation, Steve. Yeah, it was good. It was uh, it was short, but it was it was impactful, I think. And and Alan, uh, you know, he had his he had a, a quite an entourage that came uh, with him from uh, from Target. So it was it was kind of cool uh, to have his perspective. And and you know, I asked him specifically to not really talk a lot about uh, you know what they're doing or or beacons or you know any of that kind of stuff, but more to kind of help us understand how a big retailer like themselves thinks about evaluating location technologies and, and what's important uh, to them in, in making choices, making selections with, you know, the all, you know, the thousands of vendors knocking on their door all day. And I think that's what, you know, everybody wants to know, right, is is how these guys think about this stuff and, 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 and the, the criteria that they look at. Um, and I think, as you'll see in the conversation, one of the keys is always, you know, about the scalability of some of these things. Uh, and he talks a little bit about that. So here he is, Alan Wiseman, uh, VP of product from Target. We got, we got uh, Alan Wiseman coming up here, guys. Uh, this is one of the uh, the the main gurus at uh, at Target, and uh, we're really excited to have him here. He's going to be on a panel as well um, shortly, and uh, we're just going to have a quick little discussion. Um, and and I do want to. Uh, is it is it all right if we if, if we uh, let the audience ask a question or two? Is that okay? Sure. Okay. All right. So we're going to try and be pretty quick here. 10, 15 minutes. Uh, but one thing I wanted to ask, Alan, we, and we talked about this a little bit last night, is, you know, being the LVMA and having access to, you know, all the emerging technologies in the space and, and a lot of the brands uh, in the space, you know, one of the one of the big challenges that we see right now is solutions that are that are coming and knocking on the door of retailers uh, that really, you know, solve one thing, like they're they're a beacon company or they're an AR company or they're. A, something and, and they're, they're a point solution and they haven't given much thought to um, you know how to how to integrate uh, to existing systems that you have uh, in your business like how to tie it into your point of sale how to tie it into your CRM systems your loyalty platforms uh, and it's, it's, it's a challenge for for a lot of the retailers that, that, that we work with in terms of thinking you know being able to look at it look at a technology company and actually you know uh, make a decision to move forward with it because you, know, you, you can't you can't think about how to scale that uh, love your thoughts on that Sure, sure. Um, first off, thanks for having me. This is very cool. Um, it's actually a really difficult question because there's a lot of different ways that you can look at the problem. Um, from a lot of emerging location technologies that we look at, the first thing that we really ask ourselves is what problem is it solving for our guest? We're a very guest-focused company, so we want to make sure that we're not introducing anything into their usual behaviors in stores or trying to effectively elicit a new behavior that could be detrimental to their shopping experience. So when we start looking at what we can do with location and the technologies that power that um, even within our own apps or within the store, we attack it from the problem first. So uh, if you've entered any of our stores and have our mobile app, you'll notice that it actually changes and adapts to what you're doing within a store. So if you've built a shopping list, we show you where products are from an aisle um, standpoint, and we can also start to guide your journey through it. Because that was actually a problem that a lot of our guests had, is our stores are very large, and if they're, in, if they're short on time, we want to make sure that we can sort of save them the time on their journey. Um, on the inside, from a target standpoint, location data of what people are doing in our stores and what guests are actually buying helps us really tailor the store to their experience, either localizing it or personalizing it for the area, state, or city that they're in. And the use cases that we have start extending out to newer technologies. So when we get approached from companies that have something new or something exciting, the, the lens that we look at at first, obviously, is the guest. But secondary to that is if we can start looking at an ecosystem. Um, that brings in probably the hardest question from Target, in particular, is our scale. Um, what we've found in the last year is a lot of location technologies, especially beacons um, and other low-power Bluetooth technologies, have no standards. Uh, there isn't really a connected platform that can link them all together. And aside from internally either building our own or looking at what we can do to put everything together, some of the retailers right now are, is, are they're in a wait and see game. Um, what's going to catch on? What are other retailers testing? And if you're following the industry, which I'm sure everyone in this room follows very, very closely, um, there really hasn't been anything that bubbled up as the gold standard. And when, when you're talking about scaling out to 1,800 stores and, you know, 
maybe you've been selling 100 beacons per store, the math starts compounding on itself. So then there's maintenance of that technology. Uh, a lot of companies, especially in the startup level, haven't really thought through a lot of that attack um, or planning of what they can do around that. The final thing that we always have an issue with that is commonly overlooked, um, actually some of the examples you had I think were brilliant, because they were actually going after solving a problem, but they were introducing the technology in a very interesting way, like the Nivea example. Um, if you're in a store, you have a mobile app that might be the retailer's mobile app, and you have given us permission to help you with your store journey based on either location or Wi-Fi signals. That is a multiple step process. So your, your audience actually starts shrinking. You know, there's the, out of 80, 90% of people that come in our store with a smartphone, there's a small percentage of them that actually have apps that we can address. After that, there's a small percentage of them that actually have location on them. So as we're looking through what's possible from a location standpoint, it, not one technology is gonna be the solution for us. It might be a combination of multiple ones. It might be a combination of everything we can try or attempt. But nowadays, uh, a lot of retailers like us are just testing and learning to see what's possible. There's a double-edged sword there, because if we start looking at multiple technologies, integration to multiple applications, you run the risk of just having too much static or too much noise of what you're trying to do for the guests. Um, a lot of use cases that we've seen around really getting the right message at the right time. For us, it's really saving our guests time and money, having them figure out the right path to the store, getting them what they need to save that time or money, rather than over inundating them with marketing messages or trying to get them to do something different in our store that's not part of their normal routine. So all these problems sort of compound themselves. And the interesting thing is watching the technologies and the companies that are behind it and the group like this is trying to solve them. You know, as you've seen from the examples here in the video, or the videos that were presented, they're all looking at the problem in very different ways. And you'll see the ones that really resonate are the ones that solve the problem before introducing the technologies. That's really how we address location and mobile at Target. Awesome, thank you. I, I noticed that, the, that Rob, I noticed there's a fourth Canadian who's taking uh, residence <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the Canadian row. That's uh, it. Uh, uh, thank you for doing that. Um, so, and, and I, I'm just joking when I say this, so I'll, I'll, I'll catch what comes up front, but now that we have four Canadians in the room, is it, is it too early to talk about Target's departure from Canada yet? No. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let, 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 let's open it up to uh, to the crowd. Is it, yeah, um, ch chance chance to go at uh, at uh, at Alan here. Who who has a question? Yeah. So you're currently uh, leveraging proximity data captured through your app for your CPG vendors uh, for like programmatic advertising, like not real time after the fact. So we look at data that's captured from our app mainly around how we can better the guest experience. We don't share a lot of data, uh, if at all, externally. Um, a good use case that we're actually testing right now is the ability to do proximity detection for our guests with our app uh, for fulfillment. So if you are on target.com and you order from a pickup in store, we're trying to see how we can better that experience, get products ready in time for that guest journey towards the store. Uh, in California, we're testing uh, curbside. Effectively, we know real quickly when a guest is coming based on proximity and have someone waiting with their bags, with everything they bought, and just hand it into their car. Uh, some of our testing around that data has been remarkably interesting from a speed standpoint, but it's not something we'd, we'd ever share externally. Another question here? Uh, would you prefer to integrate an existing uh, vendor into your existing app, or would you want somebody else, like the customer, to download a separate app? We would always look at integration first. I mean, it's a barrier of entry. You know, we, we're Target, we have a lot of marketing power behind our flagship application. And we wanna make sure if it's a technology we wanna to introduce to our guests, that that's where they go for it. Um, being said though, we've, we've tried different things. You know, we, we've tested integrations the past couple of years with different vendors using either their app, or their marketplaces, just to see what works better. What we found and what I think a lot of other retailers have found is that if we can use our properties in a very efficient way and introduce a new feature that could be third party or could be internal, because it's already part of a trusted relationship we have with them, it's much easier from an adoption standpoint. Very good. Based on what you just said on solving the problem before implementing the tech, can you provide an example on how Target is utilizing that strategy? Uh, the greatest example I think I'd go to is probably our shopping lists. So, 
List building is pretty big for people that go and shop in a store. And what we've actually found is when we started introducing very basic lists effectively that are across all our platforms, um, we were getting a lot of guest feedback that what would be helpful is if we can show where items are in a store. And so we looked at how we can do it in the most efficient manner. Effectively, what turned out is we have high detailed maps of every one of our stores, which we call planograms, and we know where products are on any one of those shelves. <coughs> and through testing and learning, we figured out how to actually show, based on what a guest was adding to their list, of where those items are. Um, the trick there is nobody types in Archer's Farms half a gallon milk, um, you know, 2%. They type in milk. And so we had to look through a lot of science and data to figure out if someone types in milk, how to send them into the right area where that milk is. And we're looking at expanding at how we can use that feature best for our guests. But effectively, it started from a problem where paper lists weren't really working that well. We wanted to make sure we can get um, our guests using our app in our store. The greatest use case out of that was list building. And now through personalization, data intelligence on our products and what our guests are doing, we'll be able to start reorganizing their list based on their journey. And if you've seen from um, the announcements we did with Apple and the watch, we can actually wayfind them through the store using the watch and their shopping list. Cool. I got one last question because I'm getting the, I'm getting the hook here. The, hook. the, strong, <laughs> the strong hook is coming. So uh, we, we've done some research and talking to a bunch of retailers about building up beacon networks. And one of the things that we expect will happen in, in your category um, uh, and, and also grocery and, and, and farm and things like that is as these networks get built and you have basically products from third parties, uh, CPG companies, let's just say, um, who are fighting for a chance to promote their, their particular product inside your store on your beacon network. Um, how do you see that sort of playing out in terms of uh, the, the, the battle, if you will? We're, we're, we're looking between, you know, you want to promote stuff that you have good margin on versus uh, a CPG coming in saying, we'll, we'll pay because, you know, we, we want our product promoted. How do you look at the balance of that? We expect, the research that we've done starts to say that there's going to be some sort of Google AdWords type of bidding model that will emerge over time um, inside of a store as these networks get built. But love your quick thoughts on that. Um, the bidding model is actually interesting. Um, I don't actually think, from a, <laughs> from a retailer standpoint, at least from our standpoint, uh, we look at it a different way. You know, if you take um, Cartwheel, for example, which is a retail savings app, we could have six to 700 offers live at any given time. If we alerted a guest based on where they were in a store, yeah, using a beacon network or whatever, what offers are available to them, they would throw their phone somewhere, probably at a team member, because it would be incredibly nuts. So our, our solution really is to um, look at a personalized journey for that guest. So using heavy personalization, big data science to make sure that we're giving the right message at the right time to our guests so they can get what they want, when they want it, and really where they want it. Where that fits into an overall model with CPGs and others, um, it's really not my department, but I can see that where we start personalizing the journey, we start understanding our guests more, there's probably ways that we can introduce partner messaging and others in that flow, but it, it would have to be best for the guest. Excellent. So uh, we're going to have to uh, this here. So if you would, help me thank Alan. And he will be around. He's on a panel a little bit later. Yeah, so thanks, uh, Alan, for doing that. Really appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully get you on to do a, a much longer interview at some point in the near future. But we, we appreciate you sharing and letting us use that. You know, I, I think I saw one of uh, Alan's entourage um, like dusting his seat before he sat down. <laughs> Entirely possible. <laughs> there are a lot of them. There are a lot of target yes. people. Yes. They had the, like the mics on the wrist and everything like that, and they're like, "Claire, Claire, you know, Eagle, yeah. Eagle has landed." I try and I tried to get him. To, you know, I, I did bring up Canada, but you know, it, it was like nobody wants to talk about that. So. Yeah. Anyhow, our uh, our targets uh, here in Ottawa are shutting their doors on April first. Isn't that funny? April Fool's Day. Yeah. They could have picked a better day, right? Like, why? Of all the days, oh my God, April Fool's Day. Crazy. All yeah. right, so yeah, thanks, Alan. I'm sure he won't come back on after these comments that I've made, but um, uh, we hope to have Alan back on and in a longer conversation at some point. So he's the VP of product at Target, Alan Wiseman from Retail Loco. Why weren't you there? You got another chance. Know, you'll get a second chance. We, yep. The next one's coming in October, and we'll be announcing the dates next week. Oh, come back. Would you come back? Oh, in Chicago. That's great. Um, and as I said, there's going to be no baseball being played in Chicago in September or October, so it doesn't matter.
no meaningful baseball. All right, uh, Steve, very quickly, I want to, uh, you know, the, the big theme for this show, a good conversation is around uh, the, I, I, the only thing I can think about this is like localized and uh, specialized services, location-based specialized services 2.0. So we, we went through that thing two, three years ago with Zarly and TaskRabbit, where there was a lot of companies that were getting into the highly specialized, highly localized services. And uh, they've, they've, they kind of grew up and grew into enterprise plays, right? They went into the yeah. enterprise and then kind of left this void of, of kind of highly specialized localized services. Um, and I would include things like grocery delivery in that. And I would include that, you know, you, you know, the, um, um, you know, there's a couple of other companies that I've just now completely blanked on. But when we talk about uh, companies like uh, Good Dog, which is how you say it, yes, Good Dog or H Office, here, here's the second iteration of these services highly, highly, highly specialized, highly niched markets. One in share, office sharing in your basement or your mom's basement, and the other one in, a, you know, just something simple as, as taking care of a dog instead of putting them in a pound in the country somewhere. Um, so are, are we seeing the second version of this are we seeing the evolution of those services are we just seeing the same things over and over again what what's so special about these two companies i i think to some extent yes i, I think that there was actually an attempt to do some of these specialized things you know even before we had certainly in task rabbit yeah. um but they failed because you know people didn't understand you know the power of location-based services or or you know what could be done you know five seven years ago when some of these things were starting to happen. If you remember, uh, what was that platform, Whirl or something? Yes. Um, that had these specialized groups by, by category and things like that. Um, you know, those things didn't last very long, right? Um, and then Zarly and TaskRabbit kind of came along and kind of legitimized this idea of, you know, either services or products in your neighborhood nearby that, you know, people could post up and, and, and sort of realize value from the th stuff that they already had, this idea of collaborative consumption. Um, you know, and I think we're at a stage now where, you know, there's been some maturity in, in the market in that, in that sense. And, and so, you know, coming with these kind of specialized things like, like something like H office, that, that is something that, you know, is appealing to me. I don't know if it's appealing to you, but like, like it, it, it's, you know, I, like I'm quite comfortable working where I work, but I wouldn't mind every once in a while, like going and hanging out somewhere like an H office. Right. Um, you know, and, and doing some work in that kind of environment. So, you know, I can see from my own personal uh, perspective, you know, some benefit to that. You know, I don't own a dog, but, you know, I would say that, hey, if, if all of a sudden I had to go on a trip and, you know, I lived on my own and I needed someone to take care of my dog and, and my usual dog sitter wasn't available. This is a service that you know could could make sense, right? Uh, for that, so I, th I think there are definitely opportunities for that. And people, as people get more comfortable with location services and see, you know, uh, uh, the technology becomes you know uh, available in that in that sense, you know, people will, will will sort of gravitate to these to these niche services, and especially if you tie them to, you know, sort of social content and advertising that's related to that. So if you take the dog service, for example. You know, if, if a big dog food brand gets on board and starts promoting that, and then we start to see that, you know, come into things like Facebook, um, you know, around communities of, of dog owners and all that kind of stuff, then I, I can see things like this really take off, right? And, um, you know, I, I think it's really interesting. You know, in a similar way, like I, as I was talking and thinking about this, I was thinking that, you know, it would be interesting, like I had just, just a conversation I had with some friends the other day um, about camping this summer. Well, you know, I used to camp a lot when I was a kid. I don't camp much now just because I don't have time. You know, I took my kids camping for the first time last last summer. But wouldn't it be interesting hey, if you could just see, like... Coming up to Ottawa doesn't mean you're camping, just so you know. No, no, it wasn't. Yeah, I did come to Ottawa, but no, that wasn't that wasn't the camp. I did actually go camping in a tent, in, you know, with, with a bunch of people. Okay, but okay. Wouldn't it be interesting if you could like, you know, find people like in your neighborhood who wanted to go camping for the weekend, right? Yeah. At the last minute. We've talked right, about if these that services. was something that you like to do, right? Yeah. So there are a lot of these kinds of things that I think, you know, would be interesting uh, for folks, and I, I absolutely think that you know the time is right for them. You know, it, it's fascinating because uh, we talked uh, about trip sessions and um, in, in a panel, uh, and he's from TGI Fridays, and and one of his goals is is to uh, use TGI Fridays as a hookup place, literally in his mm. own words. Um, if you go to Tether.tv, there's a clip of a, a panel yeah. that, I was, uh, that I moderated, and he's on it, and it's exactly what they want to do, uh, is to help um, 
is to help people hook up. But I mean, it's along those lines, right? It's highly localized. You're there. You might as well, you know, do, um, you know, bring those kind of services on top of it. Now, I have uh, two two friends of mine uh, actually run a company called This Space Works. And if you go to thisspaceworks.com, and it's it's almost the same thing, but it's more of a corporate play where you have. Um, office space and you have excess offices or you have excess mm -hmm. boardrooms and meeting rooms and what they're doing is they're saying well you know you, you have excess inventory of boardrooms why not rent it out to people who need boardrooms or office space for an hour an hour two or three or four or half a day or a day and that's what they do so they find all this great office space and they say okay well we'll just aggregate that into a website called thisspaceworks.com and they will uh, you know th they'll uh, handle it all and uh, and then you can book a, an office or a room and I think that that's that's why like H office to me is so appealing it's just it's this same thing that Lyft is compared to Uber, right? Yes, it's it's that it's that you know that's how I would I would look at it. But um, yeah, absolutely, that's a great analogy. Yeah, like so, I I, I think that this is amazing. Uh, you know, maybe this is a resurgence in the industry, but we're all getting to the point where we expect this kind of thing: local service, local delivery, local everything, um, and we want it now. And I want to be able to find it on a mobile device. That, that to me is 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 so important. And and maybe we'll finally get to that day, see where like I I need a lawnmower to borrow for a day. And uh, or half a day, and, it, and it'll be because you know three doors down, somebody I didn't know, but through through a mobile app, I'll be able to get that for them, right? They'll be able to rent it from yeah. for an hour or whatever it is, get his kid to uh, actually mow my lawn or clear my snow. Pretty That's cool, it. pretty cool. H office or um, GoodDog.co.uk, and the, the the company I mentioned was uh, thisspaceworks.com. And, uh, and any of these things, like take a look at this and see how it applies to what you're trying to do with your business and see if you can kind of mimic any of the things that they're doing. Don't steal the ideas, mimic them, right? Yes. All right, uh, Seif, um, so you are uh, gone again. You're gone next week. For I'm gone. And well, we will be back for episode number 228. We are cruising towards 230 and then 250 and then maybe even 300 episodes, which would be like, I don't know how many, 10 years in 10 years we'll be doing this? Feels like it, right? I don't know, but uh, we are not going to stop. We're going to keep it, going. And uh, people want us to do it, apparently. So Every once in a while. Yeah. Because this is the greatest damn podcast in the known universe. Thank you guys for tuning in. Asif, safe travels next week. We'll see you all for episode number 228 next week. See you later. Over and out.